you know, I can have, you can have travel experiences and good experiences in any destination, right? As no, no matter how unsexy it looks on the surface, there's always some adventure to be had, I feel. So, um, yeah. And that way I think it, I, I learned a lot just about, you know, Hey, let's just enjoy where you're at kind of thing, you know, and, and, and learn about it and meet some people and talk to them and learn from them. And, you know, who knew also all of those conversations would lead to maybe helping me later on in life with the podcast and things like that. And, and, you know, it, it all sort of ties in together when you look back, but doesn't feel that way at the time. <laughs> it's not like you have some master plan, you know? Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast with Living a Stout Life. This is where we sit down with creative thinkers, on-the-road adventurers, and craft beer lovers. Your hosts, Ken and April, live, work, and travel in a 24-foot RV in search of inspiring stories around a great beer. Dude. What? I'm so excited. For what? I'm so excited. And I just can't hide it. I know, I know, I know. I like it. That's the words, words, but that works. It works. (laughs) Whatever. Um, We've got, I guess, uh, (laughs) we have Jason Moore from Zero to Travel on our podcast this week. Um, Yeah, I'm so excited. Yeah, I know. I mean, I remember when we set this all up, you were like totally stoked because, I mean, for those of you there out there that know Jason Moore at Zero to Travel, I mean, that's like. It's, he's got a huge podcast and he's been around for a long time. And if you've been living and under a rock, really cool. maybe yeah. <laughs> for a while, if you're in the travel and just travel world and you've been living under a rock for some reason, I don't know why. Maybe you don't know who he is. I'll forgive you, but that's okay. <laughs> he's de- <laughs> he's definitely just come one. out from under the rock. Yeah, just come out from under the rock. He's definitely one of the um, people that has inspired us um, long before we even knew it was possible to live in an RV. It's, it was. He was just an inspiration just just listening to his podcast about just even just traveling just for, travel in general as a, as a tourist even yeah I, I loved listening to um the stories that he brought out through his podcast and um through his community well because he jason's always talked about travel in a much different light than you think of like as and i would say typical tourist like his travel approach to me is the kind of travel that really inspires us because you know, it's, we don't we don't do a lot of the typical touristy thing. We like to go and I guess you'd say kind of be a little more immersed in what we're doing and Yeah. And I think that appeals to a lot of people, especially full-timers and or even part-timers. Yeah. Know. I think what I liked when I was first starting to listen to him um years ago was the term, I think it's one of the first times I've ever heard the term digital nomad or location mm-hmm. independent. I was like, dude, digital nomad, that sounds like a cool job. It's not really like a job, like you create your own career around it so you can be a digital nomad kind of thing. Sounds or, like you're a rock star. Or location independent, you know, like you don't have to have an actual location to be able to create your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that was his premise too when he created his podcast, Zero to Travel. That was his premise was to show that you can travel kind of on your own terms. There's so many ways to do it. And it's the same thing when you're living in an RV. There's so many ways to live in an RV full time part-time traveling a lot, not moving much. It's the same idea when you're traveling around the world. Yeah. And very much like a lot of you guys know, Heath and Alyssa Padgett with the RV entrepreneur, um, who were another big inspiration for us. Um, Jason, a very similar kind of thing. Like he, he does zero to travel, which tells a lot of stories around the travel, his way of travel and 
helping other people travel and stuff, but he's also built the location indie business with his in partner. addition to zero yeah with his partner trav they have location indie which is actually a community and a business that helps teach these things but they'll tell you all about that too on the yeah, yeah yeah well and i'm, Jason I'm just saying but, that it's just really good resources yeah it's great both from an inspiration side and from a understanding yeah. side if you want to learn so in this like we talk about travel and but we also talk about parenting and relationship <laughs> advice and being an expat and, life changes yeah transitioning you're like life changing and trans- transitioning there's so much on this podcast um yeah it was so much fun talking to him and another reason too that i was going to talk about is jason's also been the one who kind of like inspired me in the travel and all that because our ultimate goal after you know whenever we're in air quotes finished rving mm-hmm. um we had always had this plan even long before we even thought about RVing of moving overseas actually starting in Italy somewhere and doing extremely slow travel where you rent a place in a country until they kick you out and then you go to another country until they kick you out yeah like maybe stay in a village for a month or two months or three months or whatever we feel like yeah and then go check out another place and do the same thing and get to know people and be a transient local yeah but people have given us grief for that now because we've been talking about that dream um for what probably yeah like 20 years and people (laughs) are like close to it anyway you're never gonna do this you've been talking about it forever i'm like yeah that but that's a dream that we want to do once our kids are out of college situated in their own life and have their own thing going on and once that happens then we do that right and they're well on that path our older son zach is pretty independent now and um our younger son owen is getting ready to graduate at the end of his college, college days uh, well at least his initial phase of college and depends on if he decides yeah. to go to any postgraduate so for all you guys giving us grief that we're never going to fall through in that dream yeah because <laughs> it's going to happen in a couple years if you give us grief you may not get the open invitation to come visit yeah also, <laughs> we also heard a lot, too, um, when we talked about this. People like, well, how are you going to do that? You're not retired. You're just going to nope. go over there and you're going to waste your entire time working while you're there. I was like, well, OK, yeah. But when we have to work, for example, if we did end up working like a nine to five thing, which is not the plan. But when you're done working, you get to go have dinner uh, in Paris or Rome or some little village and yeah, if it's a weekend at. or you have like a little mini vacation you can you know hop on a plane and have a little mini vacation in Prague or you know Kazakhstan like <laughs> yeah <laughs> and yeah Croatia like yeah you're still working but you're closer to these different places to explore and I mean that's the whole premise of like a digital nomad or location indie yeah I just I'm excited to have Jason on the podcast and did we also mention that we were on his? Oh, well, we did during the interview with Jason, but we haven't mentioned it today. Yeah. We're yeah. in the intro, yeah. Mm-hmm. So this goes out. You'll be hearing this on a Sunday if you're listening to it, like when we put it out. And then we'll be on his podcast. He talked to us about beer, go figure, and travel, well, he, go he figure. Did, he talked a little bit about our story and then... <laughs> And then, yeah, he wanted to nail us down on beer, and that was tough because he he actually made us do a list of 10 of our favorite beer destinations. And, man, that is a tough one to nail down. Wait. Right? So, and it, there's some good drama in that's there, too, because so, we had a little conflict on his show. Yeah, but that'll be on Tuesday, <laughs> and you will not get a lot of the expected beer destinations. 
So, yeah, you should listen to that, too. Because, again, Jason, we're talking to Jason. Like, come on. That's, it's a cool thing. And, by the way, Jason's a beer guy, too. So, yeah. He's got some good insights on beer, especially from his travels all over the world. So. Well, maybe we should let him talk. And Probably he's got good, good advice, too, on all kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. We should let him talk. We should, because this is a good long podcast, too. So sit back, strap yourselves in, and enjoy. Grab a beer. Here's Jason. All right. Should I be scared? Should you be scared? No. I don't think you should be scared. <laughs> April's the one who's all nervous. She's all like, I'm interviewing this rock star guy from the podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, this guy's uh yeah this father of two who's um not getting much sleep and you know happens to have a mic happens to own a microphone (laughs) doing good things with that microphone (laughs) trying to trying to we're ready freddie yeah yeah we've got one of the your uh idols in the podcasting travel world we've got jason jason moore from zero to travel um on our craft beer travel and adventure podcast we're super excited yeah thanks for coming on jason i am super excited thanks for having me on i'm it's a thrill and uh since we started chatting i was just checking out what you guys do and i'm just like this is so cool you just you're doing all the things that I love. So I'm like, man, I'm ready to jump on that RV and roll with you. But I live in Norway, so I can't do that. So, you know, if you ever if you have a if you have a crash base in the floor of your RV somewhere, you know, um, I might yeah. might hitch along at some point. Oh, yeah. We have our regular bed. Then we have a little dinette that turns into a bed. So you can use the dinette bed anytime you right. want. Right. You how like how I'm fishing for an invite already? Yeah. You know? yeah right. <laughs> how long would it take to RV across Norway? Across, not very long because okay. it's it's skinny in some parts, but it's very long up and down. So that that's a that's a different journey if you're going south to north. Um, but you could go across in some parts. I think I don't I don't know what the thinnest part of Norway is, but um, you can get across in some hours. You know. Do Do you have a lot of RVers in Norway? You know, well, first of all, like everything in Europe, it's everything's sort of smaller. Right, you don't see the giant RVs on the road. They're usually, uh, by the way, the Norwegian word for RV is bobil, bobil, bobil. Yeah, bobil. B o b i l e. Yeah, without the e on the end. Okay, b o b i l. I believe that's how you spell it. Um, Beel is a car, so it's bobil, and yeah, they're all sort of oh, like isn't that cute? There's a there's a cute little RV there, you know. And <laughs> meanwhile, how 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 is everybody fitting in there? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's um yeah, because I think the roads are smaller. It's just not you don't see the class A, you know, gigantic buses driving around. I mean, unless it's an an artist, you know, doing um a tour or something. I'm sure that those bosses are around, but generally speaking, the RVs are pretty small here, but I, uh, I have such a, yeah, I want to take my kids and my family and just live in an RV for a year. It's definitely something that I'm planning on in my head anyway. And we got to get through this pandemic first and see how things play out. But Right. Okay. We're going to get into all that and like how you're going to travel more or, or travel less or I don't know, but anyhow, <laughs> so just to kind of give an, a background here, uh, way before Kenny and I moved into the RV, like it's been three years this summer, I had been listening to Jason's podcast, Zero to Travel, along with his other ones. 
Um, and your partner's Travis is extra pack of peanuts and then like location indie. You have all kinds of things going on, Jason. So we'll get mm. into that. <laughs> but I've been listening to all that for quite some time. And this is one of the people that really inspired me to kind of get traveling more and in, in turn inspired Kenny. So I am super excited to have you on this. And we're going to delve deep into your life this time. So, uh, no. Yeah. By the way, we actually <laughs> just, well, we just did a podcast with Jason. So we're on his podcast as well. Yes on zero to travel. So we're excited for that, but now we're turning it and I'm going to, we're going to ask you some questions. <laughs> uh, I feel the lights are, these lights are getting hot. No, we had a great episode. We just did the, your top 10 destinations for craft beer, travel, love, uh, lo what would you say? Craft beer, loving travelers. I think we said, mm -hmm. yeah. and uh, yeah, you guys rocked it because there were some surprises on there, some hidden gems, uh, some of the obscure, some obscure ones that I hadn't not heard about. So, uh, you'll have to check it out if you want to hear their list, which they created on the fly, by the way, that was a whole, yeah. that was a whole other sort of, you, you had a list, but then it was, it wasn't ranked and I made them rank it in real time. It was very, yeah, that, that was, was hard. That was not, that was that hard. hard. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> you owe us a beer. It was fun though. I definitely owe you a beer. Yes. <laughs> we'll be in Norway and uh, a couple of days. <laughs> uh, might take us a while to drive there, but yeah. <laughs> oh, and speaking of like, it's like what, six 30 in the morning here, because, you know, we're being very kind to Jason and letting him doing his podcast in the afternoon and yeah, yeah. No, it's all good. Thank so you. we're, we're drinking coffee this morning. Wow. <laughs> well, we have to work with uh, Jason's restrictions because uh, he's got that three and five-year-old. So uh, you, anybody out there who's been a parent or is a parent, uh, you get it. <laughs> yeah. So, no further explanation necessary, right? Exactly. Right there. <laughs> so Jason, um, tell us more about you and like what you do and why we think you're so cool and you know, why you're on why, your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, the zero to travel podcast is the, the first thing I did in around travel, I guess, but I, I had always had, um, I don't know. I, I had lived nomadic for quite a long time over a decade. And this was sort of before there were blogs and living nomadically was a thing that I knew people do did, you know, now it's kind of, let me say, I don't know, maybe it seems mainstream in our world because we're around other people and talking to other people that are kind of living that lifestyle. But um, at the time, at least it was kind of odd, I guess. Um, I didn't really think of it that way. I was just living my life and it just turned out, I didn't, I didn't plan to be like, all right, I'm going to become a nomad now. I just got a travel job and then I was traveling in between. I had this passion for travel and um, yeah, travel jobs were really how I started because I had $20,000 in debt when I graduated college. I'm like, all right, well, I can't just go travel. I have bills to pay, right? Yeah. So I was like, well, what's the easiest way to kind of do this? I want to prioritize the travel and it ended up long story short being that, hey, why don't I just like find jobs that require me to travel and then I can travel for work. And I ended up working in the event industry. Have you ever seen the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile? This is the famous example everybody knows. You oh, know, yeah. the giant hot dog that drives around. And yeah, so I did uh, events like that. That's the, again, that's the example that everybody's familiar with, at least in the US. Um, I but thought it was like you were going to say that you drove the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. No, I did, I did drive the Meow Mix Mobile. That was a giant cat <laughs> with whiskers that drove around. Um, but yeah, so I traveled all around the US for, you know, over a decade doing these different promotional tours. I did, I worked as an adventure tour guide one summer. I did uh music touring in the end, I worked as a tour manager for a band, different things like that. So like in between I would travel and anyway, 
I just was around other travelers a lot. And whether it's my friends that I was out on the road with, um, that they were just kind of hopping from job to job and living nomadically in this way as well. Or when I traveled overseas, I would meet people in hostels and things like that. And I was just, it never like, you know, that conversation where it's like, oh, where are you from? Where you been? You know, it's kind of like the same traveler conversation away. Like it never got old to me. I'm like, yeah. I was like just as enthusiastic every time I talked to somebody new to hear their story and hear where they've been. And I always loved um, when people asked me, hey, like, how do you do this? You know, and like, they, and, and they seemed like they were serious about kind of living like a unconventional lifestyle, then I would just be happy to geek out with them. And I had, I had this feeling like it was just felt good to try to help people travel in some ways because I got so much value out of it that I wanted to give that to people. And ultimately, it was a podcast that I started in, I think I published the first episode in November 2012. And it just seemed like oh, such a fun, cool way to connect with people. And also, I was like, well, all these conversations I've had, all these different ways you can travel, you can stay on organic farms, like all these things I've learned. I, I'm like, people need to know this. This shouldn't just be me learning this from various people around the world. I feel like this should be consolidated and shared in some way. So that was the spirit behind the Zero to Travel podcast, help people travel the world on their terms. It wasn't um, like a business tactic or anything. It, it, it was like, hey, let's just get these stories out so people can understand there are all these different ways you can travel and they can figure out when they listen, you know, they can get inspired, but also maybe figure out, hey, well, what, what does that look like for me? What is the what is the way that I might want to do that? And just through hearing other people's experiences, they might be able to create a match with, you know, their own lives and figuring out how they can marry their situation right now with a, a either a life on the road or just to add more travel into their lives. So that's the long version. <laughs> so you mentioned traveling on like helping people to travel on their terms. When you first yeah. started traveling, did you have an idea of what your terms were or how did you determine kind of what you wanted to do or where you wanted to go? Yeah. I mean, my terms were, Hey, I just want to do it and I don't have money. <laughs> so, you know, it was like, I, you know, and in that way, I guess it's, it's a piece of advice because the more flexible you are, the more opportunities you will have to create a life of travel. Right. If you're just, if I was just like, well, you know, I was almost willing to do anything as long as it just took me on the road. I didn't know what that was at the time. It, it ended up being that I land into, it landed in the events industry but it could have been a lot of other things. If they're like, hey, we're going to, you can tra travel to city to city and you can like, you know, be a janitor at different malls all over the country. I would have been like, sign me up. I'm ready to go. I get to travel. I get to go to different cities. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. You know, I mean, I should do that when I worked at Disney one summer, I, I was like, hey, we can come down. You can be a custodial host. That's what they called the janitors, the people that sweep up the cigarette butts all over the park. I'm like, yep, I'm going to Florida for the summer. I'm going to be your janitor. I'm going to clean up the trash. I don't care. I get to go have an experience. And that was kind of my attitude at the time. Right. Um, but I had this debt and I, I, I wasn't the type that um, I didn't have like a bunch of money saved up to just go travel, you know? So I think uh, at the time, it's a good question because my, my terms were more like, Hey, anything, they were really open. It's like anything that gets me out on the road. Um, and I think that's always been the case. Now it changed a little, I think I became a little more intentional with it later on after doing all these tours. And I got to a point where I was like, you know what, I don't want to have my travel schedule dictated to me or only be able to travel overseas when I'm in between jobs. I want to 
go where I want, when I want. And, and that meant becoming location independent. So when I heard the term, hey, you're location independent, you can work from anywhere. That means you can take your job with you. Then all this, the bell started going off because I, I had this drive for entrepreneurship as well, but I didn't really know what that meant. But once I figured out the lifestyle piece and I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of the lifestyle I want. Now let me figure out how I can achieve that based on the skills I have or, or you know, what I might be able to do to kind of put those two things together. So um, eventually I transitioned into traveling on my terms in that way as a location independent entrepreneur works for himself. So, um, but that didn't come right away. Um, how valuable do you think it was just having that initial attitude of going anywhere everywhere. And even though it was dictated to you a lot of the time, because you had to go wherever the tour was or whatever. Oh, I, I didn't care um, at the time. I just I wanted mean, to see anything. <laughs> did that really help shape a better future for you? Because then you got to go to all these places that you might've never thought of going to. Yeah. And you just went there, had these experiences. And then did that shape when you started to get more intentional about your travel? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, of course, you know, for, doing that for a decade. I mean, you learn a lot about the world. I, in my case, I was traveling through my home country in the US. So I was basically on a, you could almost say a 10 year road trip around the US nonstop, <laughs> right? I mean, there was traveling in between and visiting family and things like that, but I, I didn't have a, a home base. I didn't have an apartment or anything. I didn't really own anything. I just had my suitcase. I had a suitcase, I had a backpack and my guitar. And that was pretty much it, you know, and whatever was at my mom's house from my childhood books or whatever, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, first of all, it, because I was exposed to so much, I, I got to understand the things that I really enjoyed in life, at least at, at that time and things I still enjoy and carry with me to this day, you know, getting, let's talk about outdoor adventures. You know, I fell in love with hiking on my first trip to Europe, hiking in the Alps. I'm like, this hiking thing's amazing. You could just walk in the mountains, you see these snow-capped mountains. This is like unbelievable. And I just have, have a love for walking, you know? Um, I'd say uh, travel-wise, you know, just an appreciation for all kinds of destinations. You know, it doesn't have to be the big, you know, people might think, oh, well, you know, Paris and the Eiffel Tower or, or whatever, but you know, I have these great memories of just these random, you know, Midwestern towns being there and doing a karaoke night in some hole in the wall bar because, you know, we were happened to be in that town. Um, so essentially living all over the US and spending quality time in so many different towns for so many years, um, getting more connected with my home country. And also, uh, I think just, I wouldn't say being less judgmental of destinations, but just being really open to like, experiences and not having this idea that it has to be, you know, I can have, you can have travel experiences and good experiences in any destination, right? As no, no matter how unsexy it looks on the surface, there's always some adventure to be had, I feel. So um, yeah. And that way I think it, I, I learned a lot just about, you know, Hey, let's just enjoy where you're at kind of thing, you know, and, and, and learn about it and meet some people and talk to them and learn from them. And you know, who knew also all those conversations would lead to maybe helping me later on in life with the podcast and things like that. And, and you know, it, it all sort of ties in together when you look back, but doesn't feel that way at the time. <laughs> it's not like you have some master plan, you know, which is 
good, I suppose, because at least at that time when you're traveling, you're in the moment and present yeah. at what's going on instead of thinking, oh, this could be a good thing for this one, or I could picture this conversation being a great you know, tool for this resource, or if you're doing that, you're not in that moment. Um, speaking of, are you good at being in the moment and enjoying it, or are you constantly thinking about what's next and where you're going the next time? Or It's a, it's a mix. I'm not really, uh, I think I'm pretty good at being in the moment when I'm traveling, right? I don't need to um, run around and try like 15 different ice cream shops to find the best one. I'll just find the one that I find and enjoy it. And if I find another one, then maybe I'll get another one or beer or whatever the case is, you know, beer would be a better example for this podcast. But um, yeah, I mean, at the same time, it's like, I, I don't, it's changed, right? I think when I was younger, there was more of the, um, hey, I just want to run around and see a bunch of places. And it didn't mean that I wasn't in the moment when I was in X, Y, or Z place, but I was always like wanting to check out more, check out more. And now I just, I'm older. I just kind of realized, hey, you can't, you know, you can't see everything. So just slow down and take in what you, what you're able to and try not to pack in too much. Um, now in my everyday life, do I struggle with being in the moment? Sometimes, of course, a lot of times, probably uh, it's like the eternal struggle, right? Like how do we stop our brains from doing the monkey mind thing? But, um, but I think travel wise, I'm pretty, pretty good at just kind of enjoying where I'm at. Do you have any um, favorite travel stories or fiascos or blunders or <laughs> anything like that, that kind of stands out oh, to you? Gosh, plenty <laughs> of fiascos. <laughs> Oh, go. Well, well wait, you you said you worked on tours with bands, right? Yeah, towards the end of my touring career, I did some of that. So were there yeah. any wild, crazy band stories that you, <laughs> you might have to leave the name of the band out? But No, no. That, thankfully, they weren't like a Motley Crue type of band <laughs> where you know, there was like sex, drugs, and rock and roll all the time or anything. It was um, more like Harry Belafonte. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't like that. It was a, it was a couple. So, but you know, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't the tour manager that had to, you know, go out and, and, and score on the streets of Milwaukee oh, or something, you know? Um, no, I mean, there was like so many different cool, um, experiences though, you know, it just, just being in that position where, you know, I remember in, in Madison, Wisconsin at a, at a theater and there were a bunch of kids trying to sneak in, the back door of the um, venue, you know, and I came out to get something out of the bus or something. And then they I basically caught them and um, you know, they just had the look and uh, I was just like, all right, come on, come on guys. Just open the door, let them in the back. You know, and they're like, the fucking way. This is amazing. Thanks. Oh man. You know, just like being able to do stuff like that for people. And it's just cool. You know, the moments that they'll always remember or be able to tell a story about, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I learned a lot of my first solo backpacking trip to Europe. I think that was, that was a defining thing for me in my life uh, in many ways. Uh, first of all, just getting to meet people, these, you know, I was traveling for a couple of months and I didn't know anybody that traveled by themselves or, like that or did anything like that. Uh, again, there weren't I'm dating myself, but it wasn't like all these blogs or talk of solo travel. I mean, the stuff wasn't around. And so I just thought, all right, well, I'm just doing this. Uh, but uh, it turned out I met other people that were doing that. And then you'd meet these Australians and, and people were that type of travels in their culture. And 
they're just like, yeah, I'm, I'm gone. And I thought I was gone forever for two months or something, almost three months. And they were like, yeah, this is my, I've been traveling for three years, four years. I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> mind totally blown. That's a thing. Um, so learning how to solo travel in that way was so empowering early on because it, I felt like, wow, the world's my oyster in, in the sense that I've, I've figured out how to travel and be able to afford it and pull it off. And also I, I don't have to wait for somebody to travel. I, I, you know, this is, this is fun. I can do this and I'm learning so much about myself and I'm, and I'm learning how to exist in the world in, in a way that in a different way, kind of like when you're on your own, you're not really, you know, you, you have to make your own decisions. You'd be a little bit more resourceful. I think in some ways you learn a lot from solo travel. I really recommend it for anybody. Um, but then also, you know, the blunders, that you make early on, right? I think it was like my second week traveling, maybe my first week. Oh, it was my first week actually. And I was in Barcelona and we uh, went, we, we had met these girls and, and we, we went out to this club. We all decided to go out to this club at two in the morning or something. And, um, you know, I'm just feeling like on top of the world, walking down the street, you know, with these girls hanging out. And, uh, we just took the shortcut through this park. And the next thing we know, we were surrounded by like 12 or 13, 18, 19 year old guys who were going to beat us up and rob us essentially. And um, luckily I was just speechless. I just couldn't, you know, couldn't believe I was in that situation. I didn't know what to say. And uh, one of the girls actually, she, she just was like, no, she, she wasn't screaming for help. She was more screaming like, no way you're not doing this. Like just screaming at them. Like this is, this isn't happening. It just kind of freaked them out. And the whole time we were sort of moving towards these lights and like, I did see some guy coming at me with a fist and I kind of like pushed this one guy off and the two guys were holding me and all this stuff was happening. It was very chaotic, but eventually we get, dig it out of the situation without getting punched or robbed or anything. And the guy ripped my necklace off, but it was pretty worthless. And that was a good lesson to learn early on because I was like, wow, you know, this things happen in the world. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't travel, but you also don't just, don't be stupid, you know? And I think because that happened, I, I still had many adventures, but I, I was also trying to, I think I was a little more smart after that, you know? Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a good thing to bring up though. Cause I think a lot of people have misconceptions about a lot of different places in the world to travel. Um, you know, like people in the United States obviously talk a lot about, oh, Mexico, like when we said we were going to Baja, Mexico, yeah. and there we had friends and family like, oh, are you sure? I mean, be really careful down there. That's really dangerous, you know, and all that. And true, it can be, but it can be dangerous in Chicago. It could be dangerous in Hoboken. It can be dangerous anywhere in yeah. the world. And, and I think what you pointed out is you need to be aware of what you're doing and where you're at anywhere you're at. You know, mm -hmm. you, even yeah. if you're living in a house in, in a suburb area, if you go off down this dark alley at two o'clock in the morning, not paying attention to where you're going, you're setting yourself up for possible trouble. So I think <laughs> yeah. travel can be great anywhere you go. You just, but you do anytime have to be aware yeah. you're surrounding. It's like use the common sense rules. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So do you find, um, Oh, this thought keeps escaping me. Oh, so 
we're talking travel and we're always interested in hearing other people's stories about travels. And I'm assuming you're probably the same way. You have a podcast yeah. focused on it. But <laughs> yeah. in, in it, as you travel, it seems to kind of change who you are. I know that does done that for me. Like every time I've traveled or done different things, whether it's in the United States or overseas or wherever, like, I feel like I change and I just have a different lens and different perspective to look at things. And I want to share that. And I feel like I'm a completely different person. And then when you come back, whether you're coming back to like your home base or just coming back to the people that you know all the time, your family or yeah, close friends, you feel like you're like, they should notice some difference in you and they, <laughs> they, they should be excited to hear about your adventures, but it turns out you're still the same person to them and they really could care less about what you did. Do you yeah. feel something like that sometimes or? Yeah. Yeah. I used to, <laughs> but then I, I realized all of that, that you just said so eloquently, right. That's it's the, in the end, people don't really care. I mean, not, I shouldn't say that. It just sounds so, True. you know, of course your loved ones, they care, but it, it, I, I feel like maybe it's a good point. Maybe that happens because the experiences are, are so deep and multi-layered for you as the individual that they're, even if, they're caring on a certain level, it's, they're never going to be able to penetrate all those layers, right? As much as it means to you, it's just, it's not going to connect in that way. It's just impossible, right? It's your, it's your individual experience. And then also, like you said, you've, you know, the ways you've changed and yeah, I mean, sometimes maybe it's hard to, to recognize that when you see the same person in front of you, you know, maybe that's mm -hmm. one of the many challenges in life, right? Like, Hey, to, you know, take this person, a friend, family member, whoever, take that person for who they are that day. And I think we, we tend to see people in a static way in some ways, right? Like if you're friends with somebody for six months or say, you know, you have a friend that you've been friends with, friends with for 10 years and like six month time frame passes, you're not thinking, oh, I wonder how different they are in the last six months. I wonder how much they've changed in the last six months. Cause you just don't think about it that way. I don't know. Um, but yes, I've experienced that. And don't be disappointed if people aren't that, <laughs> that interested. <laughs> I think it's a lesson that anyone who travels for the first few times, they start to realize that. But then at the same time, you're also learning a lesson that the people that you think would be all curious and excited to see you come back, they are excited to see you come back. But mm. Their, their life is kind of their normal life. And our life is, you know, traveling is a traveling life. And when you come back together, it does come back together pretty nicely though. I mean, you- know, You kind you, of pick up where you, you just pick up where you left off and yeah. it, it doesn't have to be about your adventures. It has, it's more yeah. about like, you're comfortable together again. And that still counts totally. Yeah. And like, I think when you're doing something like you guys are doing in a way that can be a real nice sense of home, right? We kind of have a love-hate relationship. Hate's a very strong word, but a love-hate relationship with going back to Denver. Like I'm super excited to see everybody all the time, mm -hmm. but the city's kind of gotten a lot bigger. And, and it's it's also like, you know everything and that's a pro and a con because mm -hmm. you like travel because you don't know everything. You like the unknowns. Yeah. So that's right. kind of a struggle there too. Right. So, speaking of Constance, you're now pretty stationary. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. So yeah, I, my nomad days are over. I mean, maybe not forever, but for, for, <laughs> for now anyway. <laughs> so I'd like to kind of talk a little bit more about kind of your, your transition from your nomad, your nomadic life into yeah. kind of your stationary life and your feelings about that and how it mm. kind of happened. 
Well, it happened over many years. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't easy. It took a long time to, I don't want to say unwind from the nomad life. It was just, it's a way of life, you know? So, and it was a way of life for me for so long that I think, and I just loved it so much, right? That there was a certain point where I was, I was, after the touring and everything, all the, all the touring, I was ready to do something different, as I mentioned, but I didn't know exactly what that was. And I was a little burnt out from being on tour so much and on the road and, and living nomadically. And I kind of wanted to have some roots somewhere and have that experience of, oh, okay, what's it like to live somewhere and have a community and things like that. Like I'd done that in college, but then I was whatever in my mid thirties. And like, I still hadn't done that since college. And I was like, all right, well, you know, the benefit was I traveled all over. So I knew exactly what I wanted out of a place, which is why I ended up first going to Boulder, Colorado. And, and the funny thing was I went there with my girlfriend at the time because friends of mine were going to be traveling overseas for the first time and having their like first, they had kind of been living regular, regular lives. So I'll use an air quotes. And they wanted to ha- uh, go to Central America for like six or eight weeks. And we had been living these irregular lives and we wanted to live somewhere. So we thought, well, this will be good. We'll live in your place for however long you're gone. You guys can go backpacking and we'll just like live in Boulder, Colorado, because I want to see what that's like. And that was my first, I guess, foray into having a home base and, and, and living somewhere. So that ended up turning into like us renting a place there for a period of time. And so Boulder became my home, which was awesome because I, I value, like I didn't want to have to get in a car for everything that I wanted. You could bike around everywhere. You can walk places, great breweries, great food, mountains, you know, all the stuff that we all love here on the, on the podcast, I think, and everybody listening. So I don't need to sell anybody on Boulder, but um, yeah. So in that way, I think it was a, a good transition because I was still, I was surrounding myself with the exact things I loved, right? It would have been a lot different if I just moved to the middle of Indiana or something for a job. And I went from having all these adventures everywhere to just living, no offense, Indiana. Sorry if anybody's listening. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but then there was the, just the figuring out process of well, what does it mean to live somewhere? And, you know, I, I was anything that I perceived to infringe on my potential re-entry into the nomadic life um, was a threat, right? So when I first rented a place in Boulder, I rented a furnished place because I didn't want to own anything, you know, Uh, because I saw it as a threat to me possibly getting to travel again. So I was walking this line between wanting to be settled down, but not really letting myself do it because I was afraid if I did, then I'd never be able to go back out on the road and live that carefree nomad life that I was living at the time. And so I, I battled with that. And then also trying to figure out the work thing. You know, I remember my first interview for the first real job I, I ended up getting, which was an outside sales job at a liquor distributor in Colorado. The the VP took me into his office, big oak desk and everything. And he was, he's just like, Jason, I got to tell you, looking at your resume, it's like you've never had a real job in your whole life. <laughs> well here we go let's start the interview (laughs) um and uh yeah i'll never forget that moment Uh, and the first time i interviewed there i came off the tour bus and i was like hey i just gotta warn you guys like i don't have nice clothes or anything i just i just didn't care you know i just like 
So I came out, I had like hair down to my shoulders and I had like skinny jeans on, I think at the time and like vans and, you know, like my best button down shirt, which was like a gray shirt. And I'm just like, okay, you know, I come into the lobby. I'm like, I'm here, I'm here for this interview because I was trying to get settled in Colorado and I needed to have something. And the receptionist was like doing this thing with her hair and looking at me. Like she told me, she was like telling me with her body language I, that I should go fix my hair. First of all, she didn't believe I was there for an interview. So then anyway, then I went into the bathroom. I'm like, uh, okay. I'm thinking like, what do I have? Like hair gel in my hair or something? I don't, I don't know. I don't even know if I was using hair gel. So then uh, I, anyway, I go into the bathroom. I just look in the mirror and I'm just seeing my regular self. <laughs> you know, that's just the way I wore my hair. And I'm like, okay, I guess I should calm it down a little bit or something. <laughs> I don't know. So, uh, you know, but anyway, I went in and I was, I think my DGAF attitude ended up uh, giving me the job ultimately at some point. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was a struggle. It's, it's not easy, I think, to transition from any uh, lifestyle you've been living for a while to a brand new one. How did you get from Boulder to Norway? Well, that's another story. Well, that's <laughs> but, a story I yeah. want to hear. <laughs> yeah. Well, I uh, I was on vacation in Brazil and I met a Norwegian girl and we really had this connection, but I was with somebody else at, at the time. So it was a whole dramatic part of my life. Oh, but anyway, whole, we ended. That's a whole soap opera story. It kind of matches it, our soap opera story of getting together, maybe, but cheers. go ahead. <laughs> have you told it on the podcast? We got to hear that. Mm. We have. I don't think we I ever don't think have. We have told our get together. Okay, story. wait, you, you finished with how you got to Norway and then if, if one Okay, of well, we we basically weren't <laughs> in touch for 4 years, you know, outside uh well, we weren't. I mean, she sent the occasional email on my birthday, but uh we just, you know, kind of always remembered each other and ended up single at a certain point and then I was living the single life in Boulder for a while, blah blah, and then we sort of reconnected, started Skyping, writing letters and these romantic things like that, you know. We're having our own little romantic uh comedy movie i guess maybe there was comedy i don't know and um long story short you know at a certain point we're just like hey we've been kind of corresponding chatting but like living our lives but maybe we should just meet up and see you know we probably either need to meet up or just not do this anymore because that the there was this emotional attachment still uh, i think uh, i mean there was something there you know but we had to see if it was there for real you know it's just the idea or if it's like so we ended up meeting up in new york city for um like four days and then she's just a couple of days together after that and uh you know so we just met up we're like let's see if, it, if this is the thing and it was and yada 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 now we're married i live in norway and i have two kids we have two kids together so it's, it's so yeah. your your uh transition to stationary life from travel kind of started in boulder and is now in norway <laughs> yeah well then that was another thing because i had the sort of the regular job and i found out about the whole location independent lifestyle so then i started working towards that and ultimately ended up doing business development as a consultant full-time as a, my first location independent gig and that allowed me to then like travel to norway for three months at a time to date my wife right because our, our basically our our sixth date was me living with her in Norway, basically, you know, because I didn't have anywhere else to go. Um, but I rented out my place and then just came to Norway for the amount of time I was allowed. It's just like, Hey, let's just, you know, I remember I told her, I was, she's like, Hey, um, I was like, I'm coming to visit you. She's like, that's so awesome. She's like, for how long? And I was like three months. And there was just dead silence on the phone. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I was thinking in my head, well, I'm a traveler. So, you know, if it's not working out after two weeks, I'll just go travel around Eastern Europe or something, you know, I'll go find something to do. Um, but we ended up staying together and I just worked from Norway and then I would travel when I had to leave for the visa. And then there was a lot of balancing around. Like one time we met up in uh, Cambodia and Vietnam because we could have like an extra month together because you only have three months at a time in Europe from the U S with the visa laws. So, um, so then we got like a month there and then we had like three months here. So we had four months together, you know, and then I'd have to leave uh, for a couple more months in that case, or three more months until I could come back, but then she would visit. So it was like, yeah, we kind of figured it out for some years. Um, but then eventually, then we found out we got married then we found out we we're having our daughter and then we had to pick a place like either Norway or the States. So Norway was kind of the obvious choice because sad, sad to say, but you know, healthcare in the U S and all that isn't really, there's no maternity leave. There's no, yeah. So okay. that's how we ended up here. So on your podcast, when we were your guests, you asked us some advice on marriage since we've been together such a long time, but you had a very, you know, probably unique for most people dating situation. And so you've, you know, grown to know your wife and you guys have become a couple via traveling and then also via family and all the different situations. Like what's your advice for people who, you know, really want to work on their relationships? Oh gosh. I mean, I'm not, you know, listen, you guys have been together for 30 years or something. So, you know, that's why I asked for your advice. You know, we're coming up on our seventh year anniversary. So I, you know, I don't know if I'm one to uh, give advice at this stage, but uh, in the grand scheme, but um, I think like, you know, not, not to spoil, spoiler alert, but what you guys said on my podcast was communication. That's obviously key. Um, But I think also just a level of commitment, you know, Um, just committed to her in a way that's, um, you know, it's different. I mean, we have, we're married, we have children together. Um, I live in, I don't live in my home country anymore. I live here. I'm making a new life here in Norway and um, it's all tied in together, right? I'm here because of her, you know, and uh, I love Norway, but uh, the weather's not the best. So I would probably be somewhere else (laughs) if this wasn't the situation, (laughs) but going back to what you said before, I, I think, and actually this kind of really ties it in because it was a struggle. It was it's been a struggle at times, you know, a, a, a really big struggle. You know, I miss, I miss my home country, you know, here, there was a lot of stuff I had to do in the beginning to learn language and things like that. And then, um, just not having the social circle, all, all these things, right. It's not easy. It's one thing when you're passing through and you're just, you know, doing the best of wherever you are and, you, and, you know, then you travel on to the next place and you're kind of gone. But when you live somewhere, you know, you want to build a community and things like that. And, um, yeah, so, going back to what you guys said before, I think all of my travels beforehand kind of prepared me for just figuring out what, what Norway taught me is like, Hey, let's really figure out how to just be happy in one place, no matter where it's at, where it is, you know, because I love Colorado. I mean, I handpicked, I traveled all over the world and I picked Boulder, Colorado to live in, you know, I mean, that says something I feel. And, um, yeah, I, you know, like I said, I'd probably be like a warmer place right now. But, you know, you get somewhere and then it's like, hey, you make, you make out of it what, what you make out of it, right? So it's like being present, just enjoying what a place has to offer. Um, and if you don't love a place right away, you can learn to love a place in, in many ways. So I think a lot of those experiences before taught me that. 
you just had someone on your podcast. He was um, touring around the Silk Road and all the yeah. stands and talking about like trying to find that happiness. And it just kind of, it's exactly what you were just saying though, is depending on where you are, you have to kind of change that mindset sometimes to either, if you don't like it, change it or embrace it. Otherwise you're just going to sit there and be miserable. Totally. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And like for what you guys are doing right now too, you're living nomadically. It's like, you can't expect to just be happy all the time either. That's like an unrealistic expectation, right? You're just living your life and it happens to be on the road. So of course you're not going to be happy every day. So I think like that's important too. And, and any, tr any trip really, you know, you can set yourself by up for disappointment. I think when you travel just by set, by having the expectation that you're going to be happy all the time, it's just not real. It's not always realistic, you know? Yeah. I mean, you want to have expectations, you want to have expectations of something, but if you set those expectations way too high, then the things that you could enjoy aren't there. Yeah. It's like, it's like, okay, fine. It has to be done. It's like a beer. Like if you set, if you taste one beer kind of in an improper order, like you yeah. taste one beer and it's really good and has this very, very strong flavor. And then you taste the other beer and it's like, yeah, it's okay. However, if you would have tasted that first beer, the one that you should have tasted first in a proper tasting order, that beer is going to be very, very good. Yeah. <laughs> but you set your expectations a little too much. So you've kind of like wrecked it for right. you. So right. I don't know if that made sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now I have to hear how you guys met because we didn't get to hear that. <laughs> All right. Fine. Um, wait, we're supposed to be interviewing you. Anyhow, <laughs> we, we were friends in high school. Um, what's really funny is our house, our home base in Denver, we still have our house, our boys rented out, but our house in Denver is right, literally the football field to the high school that we both went to is right in our backyard. So we've been in that neighborhood for a very long time. Um, but we were friends in high school mm -hmm. and he had somebody else. He got married right out, right out of high school the summer after you graduated. And I was with someone else and I got married. What like, were you thinking? I'm just kidding. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when I you're young, when you're young, you know everything. <laughs> and so I was with somebody else. And before he even got married, though, in high school, the four of us were all friends. So like my boyfriend, him and his girlfriend, we were all friends and just kind of hanging out. And it just turned out one day, I don't know, just a whole mess. His parents is the neighbor, are the neighborhood parents for everybody on the block. So like we yeah. were always just hanging out at his house. So there was one time he was chaperoning his sister having a party and we were just hanging out together just you and I just friends and it just turned into this whole conversation and we realized well we're with the wrong people <laughs> Whoa. well ours is much more dramatic than yours because there was a lot of fallout from our situation yeah, <laughs> yeah. we we didn't uh go yeah we didn't have long-term correspondence over years and <laughs> <laughs> no, just just realized it was the wrong thing uh, and caused a little bit of grief for people that we really didn't want to cause. I mean, that wasn't for. that wasn't something that happened in one day either. Right. It was a thing that, yeah, like April said, we started opening our eyes to each other, and it's like, wow, we both went down the wrong road too quickly. Yeah, you know, with the other yeah. people with, mm -hmm. but then also looking back, neither of us, I think, have much for regrets because. Um, our older son is from my first marriage. So, and he's fantastic. So, yeah. 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 yeah no I mean, no regrets. Yeah, I mean, technically, our uh, relationship probably shouldn't have worked out because I would say people would say it's kind of a rebound relationship. But, you know, yeah. and I was terrified. I was so terrified when he was going to go tell his parents because we were like 21 years old. And he's like, I have to go tell my parents that, <laughs> like, we're getting a divorce. And I'm like, I'm not going with you. <laughs> there is yeah. no way. 
<laughs> wow, that must have been a really intense time for you guys. It was, but you know, it was, but you know, but the proof's in the pudding in the end, right? It's yep. kind of. Yeah, I mean, you know, at that time, everybody's like, oh boy, this is stupid. You know, that's everybody's telling us you guys are nuts and you'll never last and that kind of thing. But yeah, well, maybe I, that's why we stuck together, just because we want to just prove everybody wrong. <laughs> why well, be normal. damn the torpedoes? <laughs> we, don't want to be like, we don't actually like each other. We just want to prove everybody wrong. No. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no. So I just, everybody that's has cool. their stories. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's life you know it's it's a crazy so, ride speaking of stories how like how is it i mean you're an expat now in norway so how, yeah. how is that story going for you <laughs> like being, you know in a different community and you know yeah yeah like i said it was a struggle for a long time and then of course the, i mean the pandemic doesn't help but that's everybody everywhere you know mm -hmm. um but you know thankfully everybody's healthy and uh, all that but um yeah it, again, it was, it was hard. It took some time. I think, uh, Norwegians are known for, they're not known for their warmth, you know? Um, it's not like, uh, you walk down the street in Norway and everybody's coming up to you and, and being like, Hey, you know, come here. <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, and in fact, their version of being polite is kind of not engaging with each other on the street. So it's not a bad thing. It's not that they're cold. It's just that that's just their version of being polite. Right. And in the U S you know, we're talking to every which person wherever you know you walk into the gas station you to buy a snickers bar and the next thing you know the the cashier is telling you their life story or whatever <laughs> you know it's just just the way it is and um so it you know there are cultural differences um takes time to get used to that uh but certainly learning the language and you know i'm not so great at it but i understand everything going on around me for the most part um, can't speak it as well, but I, I get what's going on at least. And that makes a big difference when you're living in a foreign country and you can, you just feel more connected to the people, to the place, um, to your family here in my case, right? I can sit down now with my in-laws and have dinner and we can talk. And it wasn't like that for a long time, you know? Um, so that's huge. And yeah, I think, uh, ultimately just, getting around the community. And I've met some other expats here. In fact, we just went on a hike, uh, the other day, I took, took uh, Thursday off and buddy of mine that I went to, well, I, he wasn't a buddy at the time, but we went to the same high school and he owns a tour company here where he does bike tours, believe it or not in, oh. in Oslo, it's called Viking biking. And I heard about him and I was like, what, that this guy went to my high school. This is crazy. So we ended up meeting up. He was on the podcast once and, uh, Anyway, we stayed in touch and uh, one of his tour guides, we've become friends uh, as well. So uh, we all three of us Americans went on a hike and got to talk shop about American things and, you know, mm -hmm. things like that. It, it feels nice to to have that bond with other expats as well. Uh, but I've also gotten to meet some, you know, friends with uh, people that live here and build community in that way. So uh, it's like anything else. It's up and down. But overall, um, very happy with with where we are, and uh, it's a it's a really nice place to raise a, a family, I would say. So the weather again, I'm trying to figure. You know, <laughs> that's another question. Uh, I got to kind of the next step is trying to figure out. All right, how can we work with the school system here to like get to the point where I could like be gone for the winter, maybe, and like somehow. I don't know how it's going to work yet, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to search for answers, you know, like with the Norwegian school system, get, get the kids in 
for because my daughter will go to school when she's six. She's five now. Get the kids into school, but also get the permission where we could like maybe, I don't know, go somewhere warm for six months and right. they can have school, half the school there and half the school here or something like that. So this is about uh, redesigning the lifestyle from the family perspective that I'm uh, starting to kind of try to figure out what that might look like and at least try out and see if everybody likes it. That in itself is exciting too. Like you have an entirely yeah. different season to start and to try. <laughs> yeah. So the, the, the um, weather scene isn't the greatest there. How, how's the craft beer scene? The craft beer scene is not the craft beer scene in Colorado, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. I mean, I, I've actually, it's been a noticeable difference since I came here. Well, I first officially came here in December of 2015, but I had been coming back and forth to Norway for like two or three years before that. Um, so yeah, I mean, and being a craft beer lover, I definitely noticed these things when I first came. It's just, uh, it's just, there wasn't a lot, you know, and I, and, and even the ones that there were, they weren't that good, but I've noticed even those breweries, they, they've evolved their recipes because it's just, I'm just like, I'll have a beer that I hadn't had for a while. And I'm just like, oh, wow, this, this tastes better than the last time I had it. Like I stopped buying this a year ago because it wasn't good, but I'm like, eh, try it again, whatever. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, this is good. Um, you know, but they, you know, it's, it's a, it's the supply chain too, right? I mean, if you live in Oregon, you're a brewery in Oregon, you have access to crazy hops and things like that, right? So you have to, there are costs involved in all these things. So it's, you know, from that perspective, I, I don't know a lot about brewing beer, but as far as the ingredients, it's understandable why craft, uh, craft beer scenes differ in so many places because the access to the things is just, it's just different you know? Um, and they have to like, they're still a business. So they have to be able to make money in order to stay in business and deliver beer. Um, yeah. So all that impacts everything, but I do have a favorite beer here. It is, uh, I don't know if you, I don't know if they have this brewery in the States. It's called a Norga O, um, but they have a, a Porter that is outstanding. I think that is my, that's my go-to dark beer here for a local Norwegian craft beer. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I am always enthralled by how people make money when they're traveling or when they're living overseas or a digital nomad or location independent, which is your, like one of your key businesses. Can you tell us a little bit more about like location indie or just how you're doing it and how you are making some income while staying at home and not having to, you know, put your butt out in the corporate world. Like people try to try so hard to get out of. <laughs> yes, sure. And uh, I should say, I mispronounced the brewery. It's Naga. Nagna. Oh, Nagna. Um, so yeah. Uh, that's the, the, O with the circle. It's pronounced like, uh, like it's, uh, <laughs> I still have a hard time pronouncing it. It's like, uh, Nagna, uh, you know, something like that. <laughs> I still can't barely pronounce my wife's name. So anyway, Uh-oh. uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Being location independent is, um, was a gift, uh, that I wanted to give myself <laughs> figuring out how to do it was another thing. Right. Um, so yeah, when I first heard that term and then I think I read the four hour work week around the same time mm -hmm. by Tim Ferriss and it was just this whole idea of lifestyle design and wow. Okay. Yeah. You can have this business that, um, allows you to work from anywhere. Oh yeah. Bing. That's like the thing I want. Right. So how do I do that though? I was working in events. I was working in music touring and things like that. I was like, 
you know, then I transitioned to the regular outside sales job in Colorado. But all of those things in my experience were very dependent on being somewhere, right? So I'm like, well, do I, how can I create something where I don't have to be anywhere? That That's, first of all, that's the first thing to figure out, right? But once I started, once I committed to figuring that out, then it was, it wasn't easy, but it, it was a, it was a lens through which I could make decisions, right? Um, because it was kind of like, all right, well, if I'm going to create a business, does this style of business let me be location independent? No. Okay. Well, throw that idea out. I can't do that. Like the value is the lifestyle. And that's why, you know, we have this, uh, course, course coaching and training program called the lifestyle launch Academy. And that's what we teach. I mean, we, we, we start with the lifestyle first, so you can figure that out. And then, and then we talk about some of the mindset stuff and then we get into the business stuff because, Hey, you want to build the business around the lifestyle you want. You don't want to trade like a 40 hour work week job for an 80 hour a week one, right? That's right. not the, the world of people that are in our community location indie or people that are valuing travel and experience and, and all that stuff. So, um, it's, it's not about like getting into the startup world and like putting your hoodie on and coding for a hundred hours. It's about, Hey, how can we figure out how to work like a reasonable 20 or 30 hour week, make good money and like live good lives, make an impact, do the things we want to do and still, you know, put good stuff out into the world that hopefully helps people or at least helps our yeah customers and, and clients and things like that. So, um, so yeah, so that was the genesis, just hearing that about that lifestyle and then wanting to build something around that. Um, and then, uh, you know, eventually after doing a couple of different businesses and different things, um, we, uh, I met my business partner, Travis, and we, we just wanted to get around other people that were into this whole location, independent lifestyle travel thing. So we started a community location indie, uh, which is the, what you refer to. We have a podcast. It's I N D I E by the way, uh, location indie. And, um, yeah, it was a community to like, we're like, we don't know where all these people hang out. So let's create something so like we can all meet each other. <laughs> kind of like what you guys are doing with everything, right? It's like, it's community, you know? So um, so we started a community um, with uh, four location independent entrepreneurs and travelers, digital nomads, people like that. And it's still running. It was like over five years ago now. Um, we're doing a, like a camp event like you guys this year in September, Camp Indy. And um yeah, just doing different things. We have our Lifestyle Launch Academy where we, again, help people start that side hustle while they're working full-time so they can eventually uh, lead this lifestyle. So um, it's, it's just, I'm passionate about it. I'm passionate about helping people do it. And we're just trying to give back so we can help others kind of do the things they want to do and also, again, make an impact. So that's what it's about. Can people find all that on your website or? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Zero to Travel is kind of the the travel podcast part and then location indies more for like if you're somebody that wants to build a business and have that like the lifestyle business thing then you would want to go to and sign up at location indie um to get on the newsletter there for for that type of stuff yeah and it makes a huge difference as you guys know like getting around other people that are doing this just so you can have support you can share ideas resources network build friendships all that stuff it's community is huge do you see a lot of that changing? So when you first started traveling um, and now when there's all these apps and different communities and different blogs and different, different YouTube yeah. channels and everything, have you seen a huge difference in that or, or, or uh, like it maybe in the quality or just more, or was it easier? Yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, especially with the pandemic, it, it really accelerated that that was the, 
of course, the Black Swan event, right? I mean, I think we always thought years ago that well, remote work is the future. Like, what are these companies doing? Why would they pay for a big office building when you can just do most of this from your laptop? And and it's just, it, it doesn't even, like, just from that perspective, it doesn't even make business sense. Why, are, why is everybody sitting in traffic all the time? Like, they're just working, they're sitting and working on their computers all day, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, now, there's value in bringing people together and things like that, but isn't there, like, a happy medium? But I feel like, uh, you know, these companies, a lot of them, they just, I know they didn't have the trust or it just was, it's so ingrained in the culture. You just come into the office. It's what you do. It's right. just what you do. Um, but then the pandemic happened and all of a sudden everybody had to work remotely and that just like skyrocketed the remote work movement. And I think, of course, I think companies now are realizing, well, oh wow. Like they're probably going to see people are happier. We're still productive or maybe we're doing even better than we were before. Maybe not in all cases, um, and then they're going to start being like, well, are we really going to bring everybody back in the office? Like, why are we spending this much money on, you know, if we can just, you know, it just opens everything up in a different way. Um, so I think that's the biggest difference is that now that that's become sort of a mainstream thing, like we've been using zoom for years, like the last year, people are like, what's this zoom thing. Okay. It's like, well, yeah, it's been around forever. Like this is where we host our community calls and everything, but now it's like mainstream. Right. So this idea of just working from anywhere is now going to, I think, change travel a lot too, because now people are going to be like, all right, well, I have the remote work piece. How do I, let me figure out taking this on the road, work, travel, life balance stuff. And yeah, it's, it's a different animal. I think when you're working from home versus traveling around and working. We've, we've been ahead of the curve. Cheers to that. Like anybody already working independently and location independent has been ahead of the curve. <laughs> yeah, it is been a huge advantage. Like a, yeah. Did you guys see a big jump up in interest like for location indie over the last year? Or did, has that kind of filtered over yet? Yeah. I mean, I think the interest originally was like, again, like the zoom call and type things like connecting with people in that way. Wasn't so weird, I guess for people anymore because now they'd been doing it. And then people also craving community you know, being, um, just being isolated with the pandemic and all, it's like nice to get around other people and and also not just around other people, you know, just to be around the people in in like a generic way, like, oh, you go on Facebook, you're not really, yeah. Or you see your friends or whatever, but you're not really around. It's not, uh, I don't know. It's not, maybe it's not as healthy in my, in my opinion. Um, whereas if you go into a community like location India or whatever version that is for you, like for you guys, craft beer adventure lovers whatever you just like you get in there and you're like all right yeah like i'm around my people you know everybody's different but like you have this common interest and and sort of shared values in some way and uh i think that makes a big difference is is connecting in that way yeah i need two pieces of advice okay down this all out all right one (laughs) for those who really want to start traveling and have not really done a lot of traveling and then the other for those that have been traveling for quite a while and are ready to try and you know transition to the stationary life (laughs) <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> two small questions, right? right? <laughs> um, yeah, for the for the non-traveler who wants to go traveling, uh, the number one thing is probably I, I should say the number one piece of advice is just to prioritize travel. It's it's really that simple, and uh, that's everybody's process is a little different. I think for me, it, it's more about all right, setting the intention and then committing, and that means 
really committing, like booking a plane ticket or something like that, or, or set, getting some date on the books or, you know, having some kind of uh, level of commitment that's real. And it's just prioritizing it because as we all know, we, we generally accomplish the things that we prioritize, right? And that's how a lot of us are sitting in the house that we're in because we, we set time aside at a certain point to find a place to rent or because we needed a place to live. So we prioritize that and it happened. It's just like the natural way of life, right? Like, and, and when you prioritize travel, it just changes your decision-making. Uh, and it, it, again, it puts it through a, a lens that's different. So then you start looking at some things and you might be thinking, okay, yeah, I want this flat screen TV, but is this helping me travel? You know? Okay. Let me go back to my number one priority, travel, saving money for travel, whatever. Okay. Well, no, that's, that doesn't work. So you don't do that. You know, it just, it just can change all of your habits and, and, and your decisions. Um, but in order for those things to change, you have to just prioritize it and commit to it first. And once you do that, I really think it's possible for pretty much anybody to do it. Again, you know, if you're, if you have an iPhone and you're listening to this, it's probably possible for you. I'm not talking to like, you know, the people that are living on a dollar or $2 a day or something, but um, you know, within reason, but there are uh, travelers out there that, that live on low budgets like that. And then you start looking at, you listen to uh, zero to travel or you listen to some other podcasts, listen to your podcast. You hear about other people doing it in different ways. You, you hear about people that are, okay, well, they're biking across the United States and they're just camping wherever and they're not spending a lot of money. Okay, well, that's that's a way to travel. Maybe that's a way you can afford. You know, can you, can you be open-minded with how you're going to do it or do you already have an idea about how it's going to be? Because I, I think it's better to have that open mind to first commit, prioritize, and then have that open mind to different ways you can do it. And then it's just about getting out on the road and giving it a go. So that might be um, something more manageable. Uh, maybe it's too much to say, hey, I'm going to become a nomad. That's a pretty overwhelming. Selling all your stuff, doing this, uh, you know, telling everybody, quitting your job. Maybe you just have two weeks off. Maybe you take those two weeks and go overseas. Or you want more and you're like, you know what? I'm going to ask my employer. I I've been working here for 10 years. I, I want to take like two weeks, extra weeks, unpaid leave. And I'm going to do a month of travel. And then just like see how it is. You know, um, it's kind of easier to get your head around, I feel. So that's some advice. And maybe it's not like bullet pointed, but hopefully that wow. got the job done. <laughs> that's actually really good because we, you know, we decided to jump in full time, but, you know, we know a lot of other people that jumped in full time, did it for six months or a year or whatever and went, whoa, this isn't for us. And then they have to go yeah. back and try to reassimilate back to finding a job and finding a place and, and it, cause it can be pretty overwhelming. Yeah. But yeah, the but I, thing is that you did it and if you didn't do it, you might regret it and yeah. you never know. So that's bingo. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. That's, I, I was just going to say that it's, it's, it, yeah. Wouldn't you much rather know that it's not for you than always wonder your whole life. If, if it was, Oh, this like, I could have done this with my life and I didn't. Yeah. Well, I'd rather just like, no. Um, so yeah, from like, for, how would you say it? Um, recommitting or re re-entering the, the quote unquote normal life. Is that, was that the other question? So just how do you, yeah. how do you get, you know, your normal life is your normal life, whatever it happens to be. It might be 
different than everybody else's, but that's your right. piece of normal. So that's okay. But just like, you know, right. how you're going from travel and being more of a nomad than, and then yeah. now you're going to be more stationary. Yeah. I mean, I think people can take solace in the fact that from a logistical standpoint, it's pretty crazy easy to get set up back in society. Right. Like, I think that's one thing that might be sometimes it's like, well, what am I, then I have to find a job and a place to live and all that. Well, well, that may be true, but you know, there are a lot of people out there waiting to take your money. <laughs> right? <laughs> like if you really need a place to live and a car, you could like find a place to live in a car in a day. You can go to a thrift shop and buy dishes and, and yeah. forks and microwaves and like all that crap, or, you know, or like a sec, like a secondhand for like, you don't have, you don't have to spend a lot of money to get set up again. Yeah. You could literally set up a whole life in a base somewhere in like a couple of days, you know, yes, it might take longer. It's hard to find places to live in certain places, but like overall, it's really not that difficult to logistically live somewhere again. It's not. That's, that's probably what scares the crap out of some people. <laughs> that it's yeah, not right. that right. hard to <laughs> <laughs> right so and then there, there you are and it's like all right well that's what you wanted um <laughs> but uh you know you have to figure out the job thing and stuff but the, they're all figure outable things figure out a bull things is that, is that a word i don't know um so yeah so like that's a good thing to keep in mind because i feel like that can be some of the block right there and uh, so I think it's more of like the emotional stuff, right? Are you ready to give up the travel life and, and transition to this thing? And I think the thing that helped me the most is just committing to it as an experience, right? The same way you do with travel. And, and I like to look at different things I'm doing in my life as, as, I guess, in that way, right? It's like, all right, well, I had the nomad experience. Let me go have the I'm living in a community experience and see what that's like. That's like its own adventure. You know, I've never had that before. So I'm going to go live in Boulder, Colorado and have that experience of, of living somewhere in a mountain town that I love and, and see what that's all about. Okay. Now I'm having the expat experience, you know, I, I mean, nothing's forever in life, right? So you go, you, you choose something, you go and have the experience and then you, when you're done with that experience, you know, you appreciate it for what it was and move on to the next thing. And I think that's pretty, I like looking at things in that way. It's almost like little chapters within your life, right? Yeah. Well, an adventure doesn't have to be climbing Mount Everest. An adventure no, right. could be looking for a new house. <laughs> yes, it is an adventure. Raising <laughs> two kids. <laughs> yes. yes. Definitely it's the craziest adventure I've been on. Yeah. You have a lot of adventures to come, my friend. <laughs> and it never ends. Oh, I know. No. Oh, man. Yeah. Quite, parenting, quite. got some parenting advice for me? You guys have been... Through it here. Yeah. Honestly, to me, the best parenting advice is just embrace it all. Embrace yeah. it all and never look past. Don't look too far into the future. I mean, I think you're probably already good at this with the with the way you've traveled and the way you've lived your life. But yeah, just embrace every minute because before you know it, they're gonna be 30. 30 and 30, <laughs> 33, 32 for you. <laughs> 30 and 32. Yeah. So I would the only you can. It happens in a blink. You you can guide, like guide your kids, but ultimately they're going to become who they're going to become. And then that's yeah. what you need to do is guide them into who they're going to become. Mm. Because it doesn't matter what your goals are for them. They're going to ultimately create their own. And then that's mm. when you're just kind of their, 
their guidance person. You're never their best mm. friend. You should not be their best friend. <laughs> no, the person would tell you I'm not their best friend. That's guiding sure. them. <laughs> <laughs> but guiding, I like that. That's gentle and nice. Because yeah. our boys, they're very they're similar to us, but at the same time, they're both very different than us. And that's okay mm. because they have the space and the encouragement to become who they're gonna be. Yeah. So yeah. and how do you do that? How do you do that? Yeah. Talk a lot to your wife so you don't <laughs> scream at your kids. <laughs> no, I, I think it's uh, just like you said, you guide, you give direction. But I mean, for us, it was don't be that overbearing parent that tries to make your kids into what your vision is. You know, a lot of people have a vision for my kid's going to grow up and be a doctor. My kid's going to grow up and be a lawyer. My kid's going to be the president or whatever. But but you can't make those decisions for, for your kids. They're You know, we're all individuals and they're going to be their own individuals, no matter what you do, you know, you can try to pigeon them whole pigeonhole them into a direction, but, mm. but I think just steering around and giving them your best example and your best advice for what, you know, is and, all you can do and let them kind of have a lot of their own explorations and, and develop, which means letting them fall. Yeah. So they know how to get back up and letting mm. them fail. So they know how to transition out of it and realizing that this failure could be, a, you know, leading to another open door. It's a piece of life because that's a part of the, I think a lot of the big issues right now is kids don't know how to problem solve. They don't know how to fail. Yeah. They don't know how to dig out of it. Well, cause hole. that's scary as a parent. You don't, you don't want to see your kids sad. You don't want to see them fail. You want to see them succeed at everything that they want to do. Yeah, they're not going to succeed at everything they want to do. And and you have to be okay with the anguish inside of you as you try to go, oh, I just, uh, I want to fix it. And sometimes you have to let them fix it and yeah. make their own way. Mm. That's, That's wonderful hard advice. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Super helpful. <laughs> Means a lot. No. Oh. All right. Anything else you want to plug or say or you know, sage words or. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I know. Um, I just want to thank you guys. And uh, you guys are inspiring seeing what you're doing with all the things that you love and, and putting value out there into your community. And it's just a real honor to come on and be on your podcast. And yeah, I mean, if anybody wants to, is into the travel life and you want more travel stuff, you can go to zero to travel and just search a uh, zero to not the number two, but zero to travel uh, and on any podcast app and you can find it and uh, location indie if they want, if you want specifically, you know, lifestyle business type stuff, then you can sign up for our newsletter over there. We have a newsletter goes out every week and got a lot of cool stuff on there. And we, we open up the community occasionally and um, yeah, keep people updated on, on that lifestyle, that way of traveling. So um, otherwise just, Thanks for listening. Yeah. Well, and that, you got to be careful. You give these podcasters a microphone. You talk. So I, you know, I hope I didn't over talk it. <laughs> well, back at you. You're the same thing. You're inspiring and you do all that. All the stuff that you just said so eloquently was exactly what we think of you too. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, cheers to having a beer. We got to commit. Speaking of prioritizing committing, we got to have a, we got to have a brew at some point in person. Yeah. We got, we got to do it. We got to make it happen. Will happen. Anytime you're back in Colorado or in the States anywhere, cause you never know where yeah. we're going to be. Right. We'll and check in. We will eventually Absolutely. be, we'll eventually be in Norway. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you.
Yay, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was fun. I, uh, I mean, Jason's such a great talker and has such a great story. One way or another, we'll hook up and have a beer because he's committed to oh, yeah. that and we're committed to that. And like you guys heard him earlier on the podcast, the best way to start something that you want to start is to commit to it. So, for example, buy the plane ticket, then figure it out. Or rent the hotel and then figure it out. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to go with you there. And I'm going to say January 21st, 2022, a beer with Jason in Norway. It's going to happen now. Now we have to do it. We're committed. We got to do it. You can't back out now. You, boom. Sorry, you're married to me. You got to go. <laughs> if any of you are still listening to us on January 21st, 2022, maybe you should call us out and see what happens. We'll see. I don't know about that one. <laughs> Come with us. We'll all go have a beer together. Okay. Yeah, that'd be really cool. I'm down. Is that our next meetup? Ooh. So we take all the people from Camp Carpe Diem and all the people from Camp Indy and we combine them and we put them in, on a plane and we all travel to Norway. What are these camps you're talking about? Why? I'll tell you that in a second. However, I have a question for you. Do you <laughs> yes, not remember ma'am. Jason's conversation about how cold it is in Norway in the wintertime? Is it wintertime there in January? Oh, yeah, because it's Northern Hemisphere. Yes. So, yes. Do you oh, also crap. not remember his conversation about how he's trying to figure out a way to get his kids into a school where he can be in Norway for the summer and elsewhere for the winter? Oh, yeah. Right, we might well, have to rethink that date. Okay. So, Jason, there's a school. I'm pretty sure they have schools in Arizona. Tucson area. Yeah. So, and we're going to do... I know they have breweries, so... So, January... to meet. January in Tucson and not Norway. Probably a better call. Okay. So <laughs> we'll and see how well we'll that we'll do Norway in the summertime. We'll do July in Norway. How about that? But Kenny's half serious and half joking, but probably more serious. And, you know, talking about yeah. committing, you never know. know. Anyhow, if he doesn't stop, I'm going to commit him to something. <laughs> <laughs> and, item. yeah. Oh, and also don't forget, don't forget that we are also on um, Zero to Travel's podcast with Jason on Tuesday. So listen to that. Um, I'll put all these links in the show notes. And you asked me a question earlier. What are these camps you keep talking about? Glad you asked. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Camp Carpadium and Camp Indy. However, it's first and foremost Camp Carpadium because this is Living a Stout Life's podcast, Craft Beer Travel and Adventure. So, of course, we're going to promote ours first. Camp Carpadium, C A M P C A R P E D I E M dot com where you can come and have a long weekend with us in Uri, Colorado, October 7th through the 10th, where you can do some mountain biking, get some fitness regime on, and drink hiking, some beer. photography. And hiking and photography. Maybe a little cooking demonstration. You never know. Campfires. All that. Got a lot of stuff going on there. However, if well, you can't make it to Colorado, Camp Indy, is in Kent, Connecticut, which is just outside of New York City. And that's in September 17th to the 19th. And they've got a lot, I believe, a lot of, like, classes to learn from on how to become, like, location independent. Um, they also have um, games and activities and things like that, too. So if you want to check them out as well, you can also go to campindy.com. And I will put all of this in the show notes. And if you're feeling really adventurous, you know, that's one end of the country to the other. You could explore the whole U.S. in just a month span there. Go from Connecticut to to Colorado and you got some great places to explore. Dude, and if you did that, we would love to meet up because that's, that's a cool adventure. <laughs> no doubt. We would definitely yeah. want to hear the experiences that's a cool and adventure. take notes from both. But yeah. All right. 
All right. Well, with that, I think we're going to wrap up this uh, extra special podcast that I think, and extra large podcast now. Yeah. And <laughs> definitely make sure you check us out on uh, Zero, to Podca- Zero to Travel podcast on Tuesday. Yes, please do. And it's what else? It's a great podcast, and we'd love to have you check that out. What else should they do? They should also, you guys, please subscribe or follow whatever the hell the podcast platforms are calling it now. And please leave us a review and tell your buddies about it, the podcast because that's what it's all about. We love building our community and sharing with everybody else. And if you think and have a feeling a little generous, you could buy us a beer too. Just go to our livingestoutlife.com slash podcast page and... There's a little buy us a beer button. Because Just honestly, right we kind of need a beer because right now I'm drinking wine and what? Kenny's drinking a nice bourbon. Bourbon. Yeah, and this is a craft beer travel and adventure. So we, you gotta should buy us. shake it up every once in a while. You should buy us some beer, but yes, you got to shake it up every once in a while. Yeah, buy us some beer so we can get back on our beer kick. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> With that, we'll say cheers. Peace out. We'd love to hear from you, so keep the conversation going. Send us a note, share a beer recommendation or two, or just say hey. This Stout Conversation has been brought to you by livingastoutlife.com, where you can find community and resources for all your craft beer travel and adventure lifestyle needs.